Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and welcome back to Good News. This is Deacon Al Lundy. I'm a uh, deacon here in the Peoria Diocese and very fortunate to be able to speak with you every week, Saturday and Sunday evenings here on Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, I hope you're a big supporter of Catholic Spirit Radio. What a wonderful resource we have in our communities uh, through the volunteers here at the radio station. A tremendous amount of programming going on 24-7, a lot of fun stuff to listen to, a lot of very interesting uh, programs going on. And so I I certainly hope you take the time to uh, share your resources with their resources so that they can continue to grow this wonderful ministry. And it gives us opportunities here on Catholic Spirit Radio to do a lot of a lot of good ministry, a lot of good evangelization, a lot of good education. And we're going to spend some time talking about that today. We normally break open the gospel and the readings for the Mass of the weekend, and we, we talk about how it affects us in our lives today. Uh, we may or may not get to that. I may have time to get to one of the readings, because there's something special in, in our first reading from the Acts of the Apostles that I want to talk about. But... I wanted to start with uh, a chance to promote something that's going on in our Catholic community that even if if you're not Catholic, even if you're not Christian, if you're just if you've just got a curious mind, uh, right now at Holy Trinity Church in Bloomington, which is located uh, downtown Bloomington on the corner of Maine and uh, Chestnut, they have uh, in their downstairs area a display called Man of the Shroud. Uh, This is a traveling display, a national uh, touring display uh, about the Shroud of Turin. If you're not familiar with this, this is the, uh, what is believed to be the burial cloth of Christ. The church doesn't say that it is. It says that it could be. And along with a full-size display of the Shroud is a a video and also a lot of uh, really great uh, informational placards that walk you through every detail of the Shroud. I'm fascinated by the Shroud of Turin. Uh, my my faith certainly isn't based on it, but I'm I'm of the opinion of of several people who have studied the Shroud that if this isn't the burial cloth of Christ, then what is it, and who is it? And those are some questions that. Uh, the display doesn't come out and answer for you. You have to look at the facts and and make up your own mind. Uh, but I, this is just such an incredible thing. So here's here's what what I want to share. And, and this is more for the skeptics than for the believers because I certainly was very skeptical when I first heard of the shroud until I did more study of it and I, I listened to physicians talk about the image. That's that's on the cloth, and listen to uh, physicists who have who have studied the cloth and what they've found, and uh, many of them again don't make a religious determination about it. They just give you the facts. What are the the physical facts, the medical facts that that are evidenced on the, on this burial cloth, and what are the uh, the the scientific facts about it? So. Some people are of the camp that the shroud was rediscovered in the Middle Ages. And some people are of the opinion that it was 
created in the Middle Ages, that this is not, in fact, the burial cloth of Christ. This is a piece of forgery or a piece of artwork, depending on how skeptical you want to be. Uh, if you're being very generous and, and you don't want to say this is the burial cloth of Christ and you're leaning towards something a little more conservative, you could say this is a, a really fascinating piece of art. If you're being really skeptical, you're, you're just going to write it off as a forgery. So here's one of the facts that the scientists have found, and, and that is that this is not a painting, and it's not um, made with any kind of a, of a stain. This is a photographic image, pure and simple. This is a photographic image. And you say, okay, so what's the big deal about that? Well, if it was rediscovered or discovered for the first time, whichever you want to say, in the Middle Ages— there was no photography in the Middle Ages. So to go along with that, this is linen. I mean, they have, they've looked at it under a microscope. They've tested it. This is linen. Linen is not a photographic media. You can't transfer a photo onto linen. I, I say that with kind of uh, the asterisks for see the footnote below. There is one way, and I'll talk about that in, in a moment. Uh so this isn't a stain. This isn't a painting. They, they, there's an image in, as part of the display of the fabric uh, under really, really strong uh, microscopic image. If, there were, if this were paint, then the, the medium, the paint medium, would bridge between fibers. The, the discoloration of the fiber is only within a very shallow depth of the fiber. There's no bridging. There's, there's no topical application of, of any kind of, of paint. It doesn't penetrate the stain, so it's not uh, penetrate the, the, the thread fiber, so it's not a stain. This is, this is a photographic image on the very surface of the fabric, except where there has been blood. And the, the, they've tested the areas that, that appear to be blood pooling and, and blood marks, and it's blood. It's, it's human blood. Type AB, as a matter of fact. And where there was blood, so you figure if this was just, if this was a dead person wrapped in a burial cloth, they would, they, there would be blood there. Uh, what created the, the photographic image? Well, they're saying some sort of Resurrection act created this heat, this light that made a photographic image on the linen. Okay, you may or may not go with that. We'll come back to that. But where there was first blood, this photographic image does not penetrate the blood to the cloth below it. So it's only on the unexposed parts of the, of the linen. So how do you make a photographic image on linen? It takes a cold laser. Now, let's all count how many cold lasers existed in the Middle Ages. I mean, we know that, this, that, the, that the, the shroud existed then because we have historical evidence of it being found and on display uh, in, during the Middle Ages. There's no possible way this image could have been made if it's not paint and it's not stain and it's a photographic image. There was no technology available at that time to do this. So what is it? And who is it? 
the image, the three-dimensional, three-dimensional image on this linen. And we have a front and back because of the way the body is wrapped. We have an image of of the full front and the full back. Has all the same wound marks mentioned in scripture of the passion of and, and crucifixion of Christ. Everything they talk about is there. It's just fascinating. I mean, the nail marks, the crown of thorns, the spear wound, the, the uh, blood and water, everything is intact. Everything that mentioned in scripture is visible on this shroud. When you first look at it, it doesn't look like much of anything. But when they take a picture of it and look at the negative, it's a three-dimensional image of a human being, about five foot eleven, five foot ten, five foot eleven, with all the same wounds, wound marks of, of Christ's passion, with real blood stains, and no way of creating this image in the Middle Ages. Like I say, this isn't, you don't have to be super religious uh, or even slightly religious to appreciate this, this display. It's just, if you're curious at all about mysteries of the world, uh, make time to come see this uh, man of the shroud at Holy Trinity Church, downtown Bloomington, uh, Maine and Chestnut. Unfortunately, when you hear this program air, uh, it will only be at Holy Trinity originally scheduled for uh, to be removed on uh, Monday, the I believe it's the 8th. But there's a possibility it will be there longer. It's going to up to Washington, Illinois next to be put on display at another church. So if you don't see it in Bloomington, uh, you can find out where in Washington it's going to be by uh, uh, checking the, the website of the parishes in Washington, Illinois. Um, or you can call Dave Liptak at Holy Trinity Church, 309-829-2197, and uh, ask how long we'll have the display there, because it's possible it will be there until uh, the following Friday, so about the 14th. So you still have time to go see it. There's no charge to, uh, to enter the exhibit. Give yourself, boy, 30 minutes to an hour, uh, especially if you're going to read all the information and watch the video and take some time to just uh, stand and look at this uh, full-size replica of the Shroud. So the Man of the Shroud, uh, it's about the Shroud of Turin, the possible burial cloth of Christ. Uh, And it is, I'm I'm telling you, you're going to walk away. You may not walk away thinking this is the cloth, but you'll walk away thinking, if it isn't, what is it? And how was it possibly made? Uh, just, Just an incredible artifact. So, uh, that's that's my plug for uh, the Man of the Shroud, and we're going to uh, to look now at this weekend's readings and how they affect us in our life today. Um, we forget sometimes that Scripture isn't just about what happened two thousand years ago or what what was happening just in the life of Christ, but it's it really is our our full history and our current history of our Christian faith, uh, who we are as, as the people of God. And a, a lot of our readings at this time of year, here we are in the Easter season, throughout the Easter season, our first readings uh, largely come from Acts of the Apostles. And the reason is we've just celebrated Easter, so uh, Jesus has uh, died on the cross and has been resurrected, but has not ascended yet into heaven. 
And so the Acts of the Apostles really kind of pick up at, uh, it's the second half of Luke's gospel, basically. So it picks up after the point of the, uh, the crucifixion. And it talks about the resurrection of Christ and the, uh, the times he spent uh, with the apostles after his death, prior to his ascension. And it also tells the story of the early church, and it gives us a lot of information about how the, how the Catholic Church uh, was beginning to be formed, how it spread uh, through the Middle East and then into other areas of, of Asia and, and Northern Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, Northern Africa. It talks to us about some of the key uh, acts of the apostles. What did they do? Where did they go? What did they teach? It also talks about some of the deacons of the time. We hear about uh, Philip and Stephen and some of the early deacons. And and we hear about the Christian communities that were built by uh, Paul and Timothy and some of the others. And it really helps us to understand that the Christian faith is very grassroots. It didn't just suddenly appear as it does today. It's, it's constantly renewing itself, constantly in an evolution. And so a lot of people wonder, well, if the Sabbath is Saturday, why do we have Mass on Sunday? Isn't that a horrible thing to do? Isn't that in violation of the commandments? And we... We have Mass on Sundays. We, we consider that the holiest day of the week for very uh, two very specific reasons. One is that the resurrection of, of Christ took place on Sunday. And so we celebrate that resurrection in Mass. But part of it is also um, more of a grassroots uh, kind of a thing, and it's explained in today's reading. And a lot of people miss this. Uh, when they hear it, they, they kind of it, it's very subtle, and they kind of brush it aside. But it really does tell us what happened to Saturday worship, because when the church began, it met on Saturdays. So why is Sunday become more important? Um, and it's not really more important, but listen to the story. So this is from Acts of the Apostles. Um, this is actually from chapter thirteen. It says, Paul and Barnabas continued on from Perga and reached Antioch in Pisidia. On the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, so this would be on Saturday, they entered the synagogue and took their seats. Many Jews and worshipers who were converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and urged them to remain faithful to the grace of God. On the following Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, and with violent abuse contradicted what Paul said. Both Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and condemn yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be an instrument of salvation to the ends of the earth. The Gentiles were delighted when they heard this and glorified the word of the Lord. All who were destined for eternal life came to believe. The word of the Lord continued to spread through the whole region. The Jews, however, incited the women of, the pro of prominence who were worshipers and the leading men of the city stirred up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their territory. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium, the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord. 
So what we learn here is that uh, originally uh, the apostles were preaching on Saturday and they were preaching at uh, in the Jewish synagogues and in the Jewish temples. And that didn't seem to be a problem at first. But then they started getting larger crowds than the Jewish leaders were getting at Jewish worship. And they became very jealous of the apostles and of the crowds they were drawing, and they expelled them from the synagogues and the temples. So where were they supposed to meet? I mean, they had larger crowds than the, than the crowds of Jews who would, who would show up for their own worship. So they had more people coming to, to listen to the apostles. So they needed some place to meet. Well, they were able to still meet in the synagogue, but not on the day that, that the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish community was using it. And so that's one of the reasons why we got moved, because basically we got kicked out. So we had to pick a different day when the building was available, because the, these were considered community buildings. So they had to pick a day when they weren't being used. And it also worked out that, well, Sunday made sense because that was the celebration of the resurrection. So that's one of the reasons why the Catholic Church didn't change the Sabbath. The Sabbath is still Saturday. What the Catholic Church said was, since we can't meet on Saturdays, we'll meet on Sundays, and we will accept that as fulfillment of the Sabbath requirement. I tell you this story because I got something really interesting in the mail. How I got on this mailing list, I don't know. But if I find out the person who did this to me, we're going to have a talk. I got a book in the mail, a paperback book. It's called, uh, and I, I don't even want to advertise it, but it's, it, I found this really interesting. It's called The uh, National Sunday Law. Have you heard, ever heard of this, John? The National Sunday Law. So the first part of this book, just the first few pages, explain what it's all about. And then like the last two-thirds of the book is appendix. And the appendix is basically page after page after page of Bible references, scriptural references. But it's not the entire passage. It's a fragment of the scripture taken out of context. So here's what the, the gist of the book is. And it's, it, it's not signed. There's no, there's no church affiliation on the book. It's very anonymous. So I had to go online and look up uh, the Sunday law and see what this was all about. So this is a, this is a church putting this out. This is a church. I'm not going to say who it is. It's a church. And what they're, what they're saying is that there is a conspiracy of the beast, the Catholic Church, the Antichrist, the Pope, to make Sundays the only legal day of worship in the United States and to not just persecute people who worship on a day other than Sunday, execute people who don't worship on Sundays. Okay, so this would be uh, in relation to religions that worship on a day other than Sunday. We won't say which day of the week, but a specific day of the week other than Sunday. They put out this, this. Oh, I even hate to call it a book. Anyway, um, just, we won't, we'll put scripture aside and let's just talk logic. Uh, the Catholic Church worships every day of the week. If we were to pass a law saying that if you worship on any day other than Sunday, we'd pretty much have to kill ourselves because we're in violation all over the world. We're in violation of that very law. Uh, it says that the, uh, 
that through the through the church and the pope we're going to convince the US government to pass a law to execute people who don't worship. Uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about the Supreme Court and the viol- and the the separation between church and state and the fact that the government cannot support a specific religion. Um, so th- what are the chances of our elected officials doing anything like that? Like, yeah, like less than zero, like, like a negative number. Um, just silliness. So, but th- this is, this is a faith who uh, is very, uh, very aggressive in their, um, and their opinion about the about the church meeting on on Sundays about Sunday mass and which is really funny because they only talk about the catholic church having sunday worship and how many other christian churches can you think of that have sunday worship Ever. everybody like all but one pretty much all but one as far as the christian church as far as christian faiths go pretty much all but one and uh and so, and where does that tradition of, of Sunday come from? Well, it comes from Scripture. Scripture tells us why it happens. The two reasons. One, we got thrown out of the temples. And two, that's that's when we celebrate the resurrection. Anything wrong with worshiping on Saturdays? No, nope, we worship on Saturdays. Anything wrong with worshiping on Friday? Nope, we worship on Fridays. We worship every day of the week. And, and why shouldn't we? I mean, why doesn't God deserve worship every day of the week? So this this nonsense about uh, Sunday being uh, a violation of the commandments is is just silliness. And uh, if you know if you would prefer for your faith, your church to worship on a different day, go for it. That's nothing wrong with that. You know, if if Wednesday works out better for you and you want to uh, call your community together to worship on Wednesday, I'm sure God appreciates the worship. Uh, he certainly deserves it. So, yeah, go for it. Uh, but to say that uh, because you worship on this day and not that day, you're wrong, well, that's that's just nonsense. And as I say, this wasn't this book I got in the mail wasn't um it wasn't to to the occupant of. This was addressed to me personally. And I thought somebody has put me on a mailing list that I don't want to be on. <laughs> So whoever sent the book, thank you so much. Uh, you didn't enrich me at all, but you helped me to make a uh, a, a much-needed donation to the recycling effort. And uh, I did that on fairly short uh, notice once I, I figured out what this was all about. Um, it just – and then I found out this book was, has, has, was written in 1911. They just changed the names of the presidents. You know, and they changed some dates in it to make it more relevant. But this is the same text that was being circulated uh, by this church in 1911. And, you know, I know people that go to this church, and God bless you. I, I hope you grow in your relationship with Christ. But to send out this this kind of... I, I'm trying to think of a, of a Christian way to say this, and I just can't. Uh, to send out this kind of material uh, and to misuse Scripture... In, in the way they, that they do. It really is just, it's, it's, it's a horrible way to treat Scripture. And, and this is a, this is a, a way we, we enter into Scripture oftentimes with uh, uh, people who are atheists. They like to argue against Scripture by cherry-picking fragments of sentences, as fra- fragments of verses out of the Scripture. 
without putting them in, into context as far as who said it and why it was said and, and what was its purpose, what was it meant to achieve. So it's a, it's a very anti-intellectual way of, of debating or representing your point. So um, if I'm on your mailing list for these, please stop. <laughs> I'm not interested. And uh, look over your own material. It just it doesn't make any sense. So that that's my uh, that's my time on the on the soapbox for that. Let's look at the gospel. I love this is a short one of the shortest gospels um, or shortest parts of a gospel that that we share during the mass, but it has a very specific message to it. So this is from the gospel according to John. And Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish." No one can take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. And the Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. So in in those just couple of sentences, I think three sentences uh, for the whole Gospel reading says so much. Uh, One, it continues to establish, as much as uh, John's Gospel does, that Jesus and God are the same. They're, they're one and the same person. Well, they're two persons, but they're one and the same um, God. They're one and the same mind, um, one and the same entity, but different persons of that, of that one God. So Jesus says throughout most of John, talks about how he and God are one and not just related, not just connected, but they're one. The other thing it does is, for me, it talks about, it explains the fact that some people have faith throughout their lives, and some people come into faith, and some people never find their way into faith, usually by their own determination not to listen to God's voice. Uh, some people search for the voice. Some people want to hear the voice and struggle to hear it. Uh, some people hear it easily from a very young age, but some people just uh, they they tune the voice out because they would rather not hear it. So God God's explaining that there are some people who hear His voice, and the ones that do find it very easy to follow Him. Uh, you know the the the, sh- the sheep that follows the shepherd, the good shepherd, because they know the shepherd wants what's best for the sheep and cares for the sheep, feeds the sheep, protects the sheep. So when they hear their shepherd's voice, they naturally follow that shepherd because that's the person they know who cares for them. And that shepherd naturally is going to protect his flock. So that's what Jesus is telling us, is that when we hear his voice and we follow him, there's this reciprocal action. There's this grace from God that comes back to us. But there are also some people who uh, who don't want to hear the voice and will not follow the shepherd and choose not to be part of the flock. I hope, I would hope that those of you listening today uh, don't make that choice in your life. Uh, listen, listen for God's voice. He, he surrounds us. Uh, and the, the easiest way to hear his voice is through a knowledge of the scripture. Read the scripture, and that's Jesus talking to you personally. This is Deacon Al on Catholic Spirit Radio with good news. I'll have more good news with you next week. Don't forget to uh, check out the Man of the Shroud at Holy Trinity Church in downtown Bloomington. God bless. <music> 
You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.